Hello and welcome to Taxpayer Talk. I'm Louis, Campaigns Manager at the New Zealand Taxpayers Union, and today we are joined by Simon Bridges, the Finance Spokesman for the National Party. Thanks for joining us, Simon. Hey, great to be with you, Louis, and um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Now, you're currently infectious, aren't you? You're diseased. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, those are two possibly different things. Um, I, I like to think I'm infectious and um, uh, virus at the moment. Yeah, I've got COVID. I'm in a uh, our home or a house in uh, in Tauranga, um, and there's four others: my wife and three children, and uh, we, we all have COVID. So it's um, it's an interesting time. Yeah, I think we're all in the same boat. Not so much um, in our Wellington office, but I know the Taxpayers Union's Auckland office seems to be dropping like flies, whether it's from COVID or just having to isolate. But it's nice to hear. Um, they'll now only have to isolate for seven days rather than the full 10. Yeah, that gives us um, a weekend. So uh, we're very happy with that. Of course, of course. Now, the reason we're here, in the last week, you and Christopher Luxon have unveiled a proposal to respond to an issue that's close to the taxpayers' union's heart. Mm. Uh, This is tax bracket creep. So before we get into the specifics of your proposal, Mm. can you explain to our listeners exactly what bracket creep is and why they should care? I think in the simplest terms, you know, it's it's the product of inflation. As cost of living goes up, uh, people are, workers are slipping into higher tax brackets, but they're not worse off and are better off. And in fact, when they slip into that higher tax bracket, you know, if you go from 30 cents in the dollar to 33 cents in the dollar, which the average worker um, actually is is doing these days, uh, you pay more tax. And so, in fact, you're not only not better off, you're worse off. And that's that issue of bracket creep. And uh, I've felt strongly about this from about this for some time. And as you say, and we can talk through it, but um, you know, we've 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 proposed a, a variation on the strength theme uh, to deal with the cost of living crisis we believe New Zealand's in. Yeah, and it's the need for this change has really intensified yeah. in the last, say, 12 months due to the extremely high rate of inflation. Uh, so your proposal, I understand, is to, to counter inflation for the period since Labor was elected in 2017. That's right. I can see, for example, that would mean the $48,000 tax threshold, which is the real killer when you enter um, the 30% marginal tax rate. Yes. Under your proposal, you'd shift that up to around 53500 That's exactly right. And then, you know, seventy grand becomes uh, seventy-eight one hundred, I think, from memory. Um, and so it's a pretty significant jumps. But the, the reason for that is because we've had pretty significant inflation, actually, um, uh, more latterly, but, you know, even over the last four years of, of labour. Yeah, Obviously, inflation announcements are um, coming out every quarter. Is there a risk that you're going to have to update your policy by the time we get round to May's budget? Well, it's a, it's a good point you make. And I think one thing that is true, and contrary to what Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson may think, we do have a cost, cost of living crisis. And the fl- inflation that we're seeing at 5.9%, which is very high, is just going to go higher. I, I'm of the view... Uh, that those who say, look, this is transitory, that this is going to be over soon, are quite simply wrong. Um, And there's a bunch of international, but also some domestic reasons um, for that. I mean, the second part of what you're saying, um, we, of course, have put forward a policy. It's it's about a $1.7 billion policy that covers the four years of inflation um, um, up to this year. Um, 
I personally think, and I want to caveat by saying this is not what Chris Luxon announced and it's not a proper national party policy, but I personally yeah. think there is a sort of a good hygiene aspect, if you want to put it that way, for any government, red or blue, to be revisiting this regularly. And so members Bill I did last year, you, you probably know, look, that said, every three years when a government gets in, they should be um, CPI and just uh, adjusting the tax brackets. Yes, because as it stands right now, inflation is actually, um, from a cynical perspective, a good thing for Grant Robertson. Yeah. Every time inflation goes up, more people are pushed into higher tax brackets and he gets more revenue. Correct, correct. He is he is piling in more and more into Santa's sack. And, uh, you, you know, the, the problem with that is as he gets more, New Zealanders uh, get less. And when you consider oil, I, I never thought I would be saying this, but could be $3.50. You know, I, I don't think that's yeah. outlandish. Um, food prices, uh, housing, rent, actually everything at, at the moment is inflationary. You sort of touch it and it's inflationary. Um, yeah. we've, we've got a really big problem. And, and what that means is I, I happen to think from a principled perspective, tax indexation policy is always a good idea, but you said it, it's an idea whose time is well and truly come. It's, it's hotter now um, than it was even when I was talking about this earlier in sort of 2018, yes. 2019. Yes, well, not to pull the, um, the old nine long years card on you, but <laughs> the tax thresholds as we know them were set back in 2010. Yeah. You're proposing to reset them for inflation since 2017. Mm. Why 2017? I mean, I get the political symbolism of um, Labour's term in government, but is there is there any principled reason why we wouldn't go back further to say to 2010? I, I suppose, frankly speaking, it does come down in the end to cost. You could do some really big policies in this area, but you, you know, I'm not one of those people who thinks tax cuts are always an amazing idea. And you'll have listeners um, who proudly belong to the taxpayers union who believe that, right? And that they pay for themselves and all of these things. I, I think, and I believe Margaret Thatcher did actually as well. Um, you, you know, so there's some impeccable centre-right credentials here is my, my only point, that you do tax relief um, when you can, and you do have to pay for them. And so at 1.7, despite all the nonsense from Grant Robertson, that's affordable. It's well within, you know, the, the, the poultice of money he's giving himself and you spending at this budget of $6 billion. Um, and, and it provides relief on the way through for New Zealanders as we fix some bigger problems as a country. With the $1.7 billion, it's, it's almost infinitesimal. He's taking more than $100 billion in various taxes from New Zealanders every year. Yep. Just looking at the scale of this proposal, it, it actually really does seem not just modest, it seems small. Is this purely a proposal for the next budget? And if so, can we expect to see something more substantial lined up uh, for the election campaign? Yeah, and I, and, and this is perhaps, I don't want to say too cute, but I, I suppose a, a, a political answer, but I am in politics. I actually see the tax indexation policy that Chris Luxon's announced as not as a tax policy so much as it is a cost of living policy for the here and now. It's a concrete proposal for Grant Robertson, which in the end we know he's not going to pick up, but we put out there seriously as something he could do amongst the other things he's going to do with a lot of wasted spending, frankly, 
in his $6 billion. So it's a here and now thing. But I want to be very clear to you and your listeners, we will also have a tax policy going into election 2023. Uh, I've said many times, one of the few luxuries of opposition is you don't have to play all your cards at once. Um, you've got some time. And so we will have a, a, a more significant tax policy, I am sure, are going into the 2023 election. Um, what you also saw in Chris Luxon's announcement, of course, was a, a, a commitment in principle from him that in the, the first term of a national government, we hope and believe 2023 to 26, he'll do away with um, all of the tax um, uh, grabs that Labor has put uh, in, in place. And we'll cost those and put those in a fiscal plan again pre-election. So don't see this as the tax policy of the National Party, that's it. No, this is a policy for now uh, and the time we're in right now, cost of living, um, and we'll have a, a, a proper, if you like, tax policy in 2023. Yeah, so I guess the one way to think of it is um, this is this is the, the policy for Grant Robertson to conceivably introduce in his May budget, even though, sadly, he's ruled it out. Yeah. It makes him look frankly, pretty stingy, um, especially when he's pulling the argument that this is a costly policy while simultaneously wanting to spend $6 billion out of the budget. I, I think so. I mean, look, let's run through some uh, the, the, the facts, right? There is no getting around this. Labour, um, through the pandemic, has spent more as a proportion of our GDP than any country in the OECD outside of America, right? And that kept GDP up and some big spending was required to get workers and businesses through but it was also at the level it's been excessive now on top of that this guy's coming along and spending a further six billion dollars which is the biggest single budget increase in, in operating allowances they call it but a new spend up um, which is permanent by the way that will continue in future bu budgets we've ever seen I think in the end, and I don't just say this as good rhetoric, I firmly believe this is true. And in fact, Grant Robertson said to me at question time yesterday that something along the lines of he saw government's role as looking after people, right? Which is just a, a Labour, very paternalistic view of life. He believes he is smarter than other New Zealanders and he can spend our money better than we can. And of course, on the right, uh, we believe actually, you know what? It's, it's your money. And you should have the uh, ability to get some of it back uh, and to spend it. And if you, if you don't do that in a, in a crazy way, you can do that, give people back their hard-earned money and also have good health, education, law and order and the things that, that also matter to New Zealanders. Sure. Now, I understand that we're looking ahead to next year here where we talk, when we talk about the proposal you have to wind back all of Labor's tax increases. Has that been costed? Um, well, we know that, if you like, the cost and as much as um, for all of these um, various uh, tax grabs uh, from Labour, um, the, there, are, uh, there are dollar amounts that either IRD or Treasury or in the case of the one that springs to mind, you can tell I'm a former transport minister, but it's the regional fuel tax. Look, NZTA make clear in their documentation that raised $150 million right last year so so we know what they sort of cost roughly you know whether bar a hundred million on either side or something like um that 
But as I've said to a bunch of journalists, as Grant Robertson has been desperate, and I think in bad faith, frankly, out there trying to um, point to some fiscal hole or something. Well, if there was, he would have shown it. There isn't. Um, you know, our actual costed fiscal plan will be in 2023. And we'll be clear then on the phasing over that first term of when we do do away with those. But we will do away with them. And I realise I've committed um, one of the ultimate sins for a taxpayers' union podcast is talking about the cost of tax cuts. I, what yeah, I yeah, yeah. We both understand is uh, I, look, well, the, the tax cut as a benefit. The problem is, Louis, is we we live in a country and a, and and a, a, a sort of a dynamic amongst media where literally every member of the press gallery and every other media sees it as a cost. Um, actually, if you take the tax indexation policy, for example, I think it's a very good example of how it's simply stemming the growth in tax, right, rather than actually a a, a cost in the sense of something that has been there that's um, that we're taking away. Yes. Now, talking about repealing taxes, I might just try to rattle through some of them and then you can extend my list for the ones I've forgotten. So there's the extended bright line test. You know that I'm just going to say right now, in case this comes back to haunt me, these are the bits that make a um, opposition finance spokesperson and not the leaders sphincter tighten slightly. Because, <laughs> because of course, um, leaders can make policy on the hoof. Um, number threes generally shouldn't. Um, but from my memory, because I haven't got any paper before me, I'm going to I'm going to pl- play along and do my best to say yes or no to everything you ask me. Yeah. So extended bright line test. Uh, yeah, gone. Uh, the removal of interest deductibility. Gone. The thirty nine percent income tax gone. Bracket. The regional fuel tax. Gone. What about the other general fuel tax hikes that Labor has introduced? No, we haven't committed to that because I suppose they're not. Um, in terms of Chris Luxon's pledge, um, a brand new tax. Um, I mean, I think to keep this interesting, you know, I, I was reading something this morning from Ireland, um, and I, I can't pull it up on my device as I sit here talking to you, but they have just, given what's happened with petrol, um, uh, re- removed some of the excise. I don't think we're there yet. That is certainly not something National's proposing. But as we see uh, petrol prices go up and up and up and hurt New Zealanders more and more and more, um, I do expect to see the clamour amongst New Zealanders for relief at the pump uh, to get more and more um, vocal. Well, you're already hearing the clamour from us. I think 15,000 New Zealanders have signed our petition at fueltax.nz where we're we're proposing using excise tax as a kind of lever uh, to offset some of the uh, intensified cost of living pressures. Yeah. And and I think, and I think, and again, I, you know, that's the lawyer and politician in me that, that, that sort of has the weasel words of saying this isn't our policy. But, but I think the argument that does, that has, persuasive value is the fact that as petrol prices go up, the tax take to government also goes up. And so there is a real argument there at a point where you can say, well, actually, the government's still pulling in the same actual amount of tax, even with some reduction in the excise, um, than it would have been, uh, that, than it would have, that, that it would have been if, if, 
global petrol prices weren't doing uh, what they are per barrel, if that makes sense. Yes, because obviously they're collecting GST on the the before-tax price as well as the after-tax price. So when the before-tax price goes up, the GST revenue goes up. So that would, in theory, free up some revenue you would hope for tax cuts. Now, um, the 39% tax bracket, uh, I've just seen a lot of uh, unfortunate Twitter discourse, uh, people referring to it as a tax rate for the rich. And on the face of it, they're right. 39% tax bracket applies to people earning more than 180 grand. Why does the National Party propose to cut that tax? You know, I think in the end, and this is also true of the tax indexation policy, and and it's exactly the critique we've had from Ardern and Robertson in Parliament over the last few days around these things generally, is well, they're the rich. I I would make the case that certainly up to, you know, 100K, um, you know, possibly even higher than that, these are not... New Zealanders who are living high on the hog. Actually, you know what? If you're on eighty, ninety thousand dollars and living in Auckland or Wellington uh, with family, um, you, you know that that is not lifestyles of the rich and famous. Um, and so, you know, a bunch of New Zealanders do deserve tax relief. When you talk about the thirty-nine um, percent uh, marginal tax rate, I just actually have this view. Um, that overall income earners, you know, who work for a dollar a day are not New Zealand's truly wealthy. Um, they, they tend to be uh, in other sectors and sitting there, not necessarily working for a, on, a, on a per hour um, rate. And more than that, actually, you know, the reasons for imposing that 39% uh, tax rate from Labour was in the end, when you boil it all down, envy. And it was an envy tax. And I don't, and National doesn't do envy taxes. Yeah. The way, the way we see it is that a tax on income is it's a punishment for upskilling. It's a punishment for being productive. It's a punishment for seeking a promotion. Now, that, that negative incentive effect is something we should seek to minimise on every end of the um, income scale, whether you're low income or high income, we should still be encouraging New Zealanders to do even better than they already are. I agree. And what, what Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson don't sort of get about New Zealanders is, you know what, if you're a a, a young New Zealander earning 40, 60, 70 grand a year, you aspire and you aspire to earn more and to take that promotion. So and we want a society where actually that is the dynamic we're creating. We don't want the dynamic that I think we have seen a bit in recent times where people say, you know what, I don't want to be principal of that school um, because although I earn more, it's taxed to the hilt um, and it's just kind of easier or not quite as much. Um, you know, That is not the society we want. It's not a winning, successful society. Sure. The other mistake I think they make all the time is they describe people as though they live their entire lives in one snapshot of income. So the tax relief under your proposal for, say, a minimum wage earner might not be high in a dollar figure, but over the course of that person's life, they're very unlikely to be spending their entire time on minimum wage. At some point, they will be in a higher tax bracket. And do we really want to discourage that with a high marginal tax rate? Totally right. And I mean, look, the way the minimum wage uh, uh, income uh, per annum has fundamentally slotted up close to the average wage 
you know, is, is not a cause for celebration. That's not an aspirational society. I, I don't begrudge people on the minimum wage getting more money. And that's why, you know, actually these, these issues around minimum wage are tricky. But we're now in a situation where someone on the minimum wage come 1 April, they work 44 hours a week, which a lot will, by the way, they will be um, in the 30% marginal tax rate. That's an indictment mm. on Grant Robertson. Mm. Mm. It's almost a third of the incentive to upskill robbed by the government. Well, well, I think it's worse than that. My, my sense of it, back of the envelope, is they actually, you guys have done a lot of the homework on this stuff, but my sense is they're actually, technically speaking, going backwards. Yeah, yeah. When you combine um, the effect of inflation with their increased average tax rate, because it's this is something um, we're actually working on a briefing paper about because it's a point people miss. Tax bracket doesn't just punish you when you cross a tax threshold. Even if you're moving up within a tax threshold, a larger proportion of your income yes. is then being paid in that higher tax rate as opposed to the yep. lower tax rate. So your yep. average tax rate does increase. So totally right. And I know we're jumping around there, but you know, I, I mean, there's another point that I, I think is, is has some force in relation to the 39 cent uh, marginal tax rate, which you asked me about just before, and it just occurs to me is, yeah, you know, I, I actually think in the end, a lot of people will do a lot of jumping through hoops. They'll set up companies, they'll end up with fancier company cars. There's a bunch of things that come um, that are unintended and actually perverse consequences of having an MB tax like that. So, you know, you, you can be clear, and Chris Fluxon was, um, we, we'll do away with that in our first term. Sure. And I think our last question for this episode. It's around spending cuts. Mm. Now, I understand this is raised often by the media in the context of, you know, how will you fund your tax policy? But here at the Taxpayers' Union, spending cuts are not a dirty word. Yeah. Uh, we think reducing low priority and especially wasteful spending is a virtue in and of itself. Yeah. So I, I wondered if you could just rattle off, um, you know, if you're in the position of finance minister in a year and a half's time, where would you start in terms of reducing low priority spending? Well, there's a bunch of easy stuff. You know, I, I think, you know, if, if I was had the magic wand and I was in there right now, looking at what the government's got going, there's, there's hundreds of millions of dollars being wasted on policy um, proposals um, that we dislike. You know, whether they're wrong. And so actually you, you free up a surprising amount of money just in those. And I'm thinking... Three waters. Uh, I'm I'm thinking the health free structure and a separate Maori health uh, authority. I'm thinking um, light rail, which is a you know a dog of a project in many ways and a massive opportunity cost. And then you get down to and I, I don't have a list before you. I probably could you know quite readily get it. But you get down to what I would more call um, well. Let's talk about two conceptual issues. One is the pet projects and people labour want to impress. And there's a lot of money that goes into that stuff, you know, whim, if you like. And then you've got these big funds, the COVID fund. Uh, in the last term, and I know you were probably as hot on this as we were, the Provincial Growth Fund. We've got another one coming in budget 2022. Um, the uh, SURF, it's called, Climate Emergency Response Fund. All nice and good, except the money doesn't go on the stated purposes, they end up going on whatever Grant Robertson or Willie Jackson or whoever it is what wants them to do, huge wastage, wastage without any sort of benefit cost analysis um, uh, on those things. You know, if you've got to spend money on climate, just to go back to that one, because we know that's coming in budget 2022, 
Um, call me old fashioned, but how about we have some metrics um, around um, uh, emissions per tonne, uh, for example, that the policy proposal will deal with, not just a, a pet transport project in um, you know the the Christchurch Central MPs electorate that they want to fund and they put the climate tag on. So there's there's a lot going on there. I, I think, and I don't have amazing answers for you today, but I think actually in the next eighteen months, N- National has to get clearer and do some hard work um, to give the electorate a sense of how we will um, across government um, rein in spending come back to discipline and quality investment because there is a difference between just spending and investment absolutely thanks thank you so much for your time simon hey really good to talk to you louis and um you appreciate talking about these important issues taxpayer talk is made possible by the thousands of kiwis who support the taxpayers union financially you can find all of our episodes at taxpayers.org.nz podcast or on spotify or on apple podcasts you get the picture thanks